Hey, this morning we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2 in just a couple of minutes. But I wanted to take a couple of weeks, and I started this last Sunday. I want to finish it today with a specific theme at Christmas time. And I really thought, as you know, if you were here last week, I want to use this title What Was He Thinking? What was God thinking? If any of us were to, de- to design how we would send our son into the world, if we were God, there'd probably be a thousand different ideas, but none of us would have thought of that. To think that God would take his son and drop him down in this world as a baby in a manger. Every year at Christmas time, you see this scene, and many of us will have something like that set up somewhere in our homes, maybe in a miniature style, maybe out in the yard with life-size characters. But we look at the manger scene where Jesus was placed with Mary and Joseph, with shepherds and sheep. And then as we're going to look today, a little bit later on, wise men, magi, came to worship the king. In this season, I think we could all say, what? was God thinking? Last week we talked about two or three things that might have been in the heart of God when he sent Jesus in this way. Today I want to continue it, but last week we looked at the story of angels and shepherds, how God sent angelic beings. They weren't cute little pretty feminine float around the air or fly, you know, with your wings. They were masculine strong messengers. They were warriors. And they appeared to these shepherds, and the message that they had was twofold. Number one, a Savior is born. To all of us, someone is born who can take away our sin and bring us into relationship with God. And then the second part of the message was, when you come into relationship with God, you can have real peace. Real peace. So that was our message last week. And I want to tie to that today a couple of other thoughts, some questions, and then maybe some responses that can help every one of us understand why God sent his son like that and what he's come to do in our lives. Jesus came as a savior to take us away from our sins, save us from our sins, create peace with God, but his work in our lives doesn't end there. That's really where his work begins. God sent his son to be a savior, but he also sent him to be Lord of our lives. We're going to dive into this today. Matthew chapter 2. Let's read this story together. Verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, and notice what they asked, Where is he who has been born king? Where is this king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was was to be born. Now pause here just a second. These wise men come from the east and they begin to ask around town, where is this newborn king? We've come looking for this king. And naturally, 
when Herod the king gets word of it, he wants to know where is this king born? He doesn't want to worship him. He wants to kill him because he's jealous of a newborn king. Now, notice what happens in verse 5. So the elders, the people who knew the word, said to him, He's to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And now we're about to read some words from Micah's prophecy. We'll look at that a little bit more later on. Here are the words. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler. Notice the word. A ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Skip down to verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want you to notice three words out of this passage today that I want to talk about for a little while. The first word is the word king. God sent a king into our lives. The second word that is used is the word ruler. What does a king do? A king rules. But then third of all is the word shepherd. When we think of a king, when you think of a ruler, you don't normally think of the word shepherd. But these words are all in this passage. And today I want to show you how they connect and what it can mean in our lives today. You see, these wise men, we don't know how many there were. The old adage is there were three because there were three kinds of gifts. Well, that's not scriptural. We don't know how many there were. There were probably several of them traveling in a caravan together. But we do know they came from the east because they saw a new star. And after doing the research, they realized a new king has been born. Let's follow the star to the place of his birth. The interesting thing is, these men were astronomers. They were also scientists. They were highly educated. They were the smart guys, the wise guys of their day. But yet they left their homeland and they traveled close to a thousand miles in a caravan to find this newborn king. What were they looking for? Why would they do this? When they were asked, why are you here? Why have you traveled so far? Their words were, we're looking for a king, a newborn king. But it brings me to a question today that I want you to think about with just a moment. What does a king do? What does a king do? Well, a king rules over his kingdom and over his subjects. You see, a king doesn't just rule over land. He rules over people. He builds a domain. He builds a kingdom. And part of that kingdom is looking out for the people of the kingdom. It intrigues me that these wise men of their day would travel hundreds of miles over several months to get to Jerusalem looking for a king. But it might be that they were looking for a new king. Maybe they wanted, maybe they needed a new king. You see, God knew that we needed a savior. 
But God also knew that you and I needed a king in our lives. And he sent Jesus. You see, as we consider today the birth of Jesus in this Christmas season, I want you to remember with me that ultimately, God is our creator and we are his creation. If you go back to the very beginning of time as we know it, when God created Adam and Eve, mankind, he created them, he he put them in a utopia, in a garden that was just pretty much self-run. They would tend the garden and take care of it. But it didn't take long for Adam and Eve to get tired of life as it was. Scripture tells us that every day God would come down in the cool of the day and he would hang out with Adam and Eve. He would be there. His spirit would rest with them and probably commune and fellowship with them. The interesting thing is after a period of time when they were tempted, Adam and Eve said, we don't want a ruler in our lives. We don't want a king in our lives. We want to rule ourselves in our own way. And because of their rebellion against God, there was this great gap between God and man. That's why God sent a savior to close that gap, to bring us into fellowship with God. But today, I want us to stop for a few minutes and take that first word, the word king. I want you to stop and realize we need a king in our lives. Now, in our world today, in our nation, we really don't understand the concept of a king because we are a government that we call a republic, a democracy, where we are taught from the time we're children that your voice is just as important as anybody else's voice. We don't have a king. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Well, some of our presidents act like kings. They just sign degrees and do what they want to do. Let's stay out of the political circles today, all right? But here's the point. We don't understand a kingdom because we don't have a king. In a kingdom, the only vote that matters is the vote of the king. His voice, his vote is the final word. So let me ask a couple of important questions today. Number one, how does a king rule? How does a king rule? The answer is simple, any way he wants to, because he's the king. He's the boss. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can do good things. He can do evil things. But a king will rule however he chooses to rule. We mentioned the prophet Micah a few moments ago. I'm going to read from Micah chapter 5 and we'll have the verses on the screen. This is the prophecy in Micah 5 where Micah talked about Jesus. The king would be born in Bethlehem. But I want you to notice the words that Micah uses about this king that God would send into our world. Verse 4 says, and he shall stand, which means he'll be established. He won't be moved. He shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord. To feed his flock in the original writings literally means to tend to his flock. What Micah saw hundreds of years before Jesus came is something we need to understand today. God sent his son 
to be our king, but his first concern would be the welfare of his people. He would be established to watch over the needs of our lives. And he would stand with God's strength, God's ability. Goes on to say, in the majesty of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. In other words, when you understand the intent of this king, you'll want to stay close to him because his intentions are good. And all he wants to do is help shepherd over your life and watch out for your welfare. Michael went on to say, and he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Verse 5 says, and this king, this ruler, this shepherd would be the peace. He not only brings peace, he himself is peace in every situation of life. You see, Jesus came to rule as a shepherd, to feed and to tend his flock. One of the great misconceptions about God is a lot of people think that God just wants to dominate and control us and control every little area of our lives. I want to correct that today. God doesn't want to dominate us. He wants to complete us. He's not a control freak. He only wants to bring his goodness his blessing, and his ways into our lives. And when he sent Jesus, this king, this ruler, this Lord, Jesus doesn't need and Jesus doesn't come to dominate our lives, but rather to shepherd us and to tend to all of the needy places in our lives. That's God's intent when he sent his son. You see, God sent his son to be our king, our ruler, to shepherd our lives. Perhaps God was thinking, you know, down there, they're struggling with everyday life. I'm going to send them some help. That's what he was thinking when he put his son in our world. But let me go to the second question that I want to ask you today. How is a king known? How does he establish his reputation? Well, it's, of course, it's by the way that he rules, but literally, it's by the benefits that he provides for those people in his kingdom. A king's reputation is established by how he rules over his people. In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Isaiah caught a glimpse of how Jesus would rule over our lives, how he would shepherd us. And I want to read these verses, and I want you to follow with me. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. In other words, the rule of the kingdom and the rule of our lives will be upon him. Now, in the Old Testament, oftentimes names were given to describe people. So here's what Isaiah said. His name that describes him, the names of this Savior King would be wonderful. 
wonderful. The very nature of his coming into our world, it's a wonder, it's a miracle. But when this king is in your life, he just keeps doing miraculous, marvelous, wonderful things. His name is Counselor. He's come to give wisdom and guidance how to deal with the challenges of life. His name is Mighty God. No matter what he faces, all the strength of God is with him. He's also the everlasting father. He's the father, the leader of the head of this government. And he's here eternally. He's not going anywhere. He's always going to be in place. And he's also called the prince of peace. He's been given, he has received the right to bring peace into every one of our lives. And verse 7 says this, and I love these words. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He'll rule in justice. He will do the right things with every situation in his kingdom and in our lives. He'll make no mistakes. And then the very last part of that verse says, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. It is God's heart. It is God's desire to bring this kind of ruler, shepherd, king into our lives. So what happens? What happens when Jesus becomes the king of your life? Well, let me ask you today. Are you facing impossibilities? Is there a situation in your life that you look ahead and you say, there's just no way, it's impossible? I want to encourage you today and tell you, Jesus continually still does amazing things. You can trust him with your challenges today. Not only that, maybe you say, well, I'm facing a battle. Maybe you look down the road the next few days, the next couple of weeks or months, and you realize, man, there's some big struggles ahead of me, and I'm going to have to really fight some battles. Well, I want to encourage you today. Our king has never lost a battle. He knows how to fight. He knows how to win. And you can trust him with your battle today. Oh, and I'm sure you're, there might be a few people here who are concerned, maybe even worried about your future. These next two years, three years, five years, 20 years. Maybe you're carrying weight, wondering what the future holds for you. I want to encourage you today. Our king is eternal. He's infinite. He's unlimited. He's the head of all things and nothing intimidates him, not his future are not yours. You're secure in his presence. He'll take care of you. We might take that one step further. There might even be someone here today that you're battling fear. Maybe this spirit of fear has tried to consume your life. Maybe it's reached the place where you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you start worrying. You're afraid of what's going on. Maybe throughout the day you don't want to eat because your stomach's in knots. Maybe you're afraid to go to bed at night because you have nightmares about what might happen. Maybe there's a spirit of fear trying to invade your life. 
want you to know Jesus, our King, has paid for our peace. So that in every situation, He is monitoring your welfare. You can trust Him. He's going to take good, good care of you. And He'll be your peace. He'll be the peace in your life. Then one more thought. Maybe like me, maybe you've lived enough years that you say, wow, the older you get, the bigger the problems become, the bigger the challenges. It seems like my challenges of life just keep mounting up, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Of the increase of our God's kingdom and his peace, it says there will be no end. In other words, as your problems get bigger, his presence, his provision and his peace will be bigger and bigger and bigger for the rest of your life throughout eternity. He's going to take good care of you. That's our king. You know, it's interesting. As I move down towards the last part of this message, how many times have you stopped and you've prayed and maybe it crossed your mind, maybe it even came over your lips? Yeah, but God, you just don't understand. You don't, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. You might be sitting there today listening to me, thinking, yeah, but you don't know what's in my life. If you don't know, what's God going to do? You talk about how great God is, how wonderful this king is, but you don't know about my situation. I look at that picture I've often wondered, it's amazing that God would want to come and partake of our life, our world, flesh and blood. To be born in human flesh, to lay aside all that he had in heaven to be like us. But here's what you need to know. He came as a baby. He lived as a boy. He became a man at 30 years of age, approximately. He started his ministry. For three years, he ministered to all comers, everybody with every need. He touched and met their needs because he was a king, a ruler, a shepherd. But then he died on a cross so that he could rule over every life that would surrender to him. He was raised from the dead. He ascended back to the Father so he could watch over us and represent us to the Father with all of our needs. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us living that kind of life, living in human flesh, he's been tested in all ways like you and I are tested, yet without sin. In other words, he's been through everything that you're going to face in this life. You say, well, times were different back then. The basic needs, the basic struggles of people have always been the same. Times change, vehicles change, faces change. The problems are always the same. Jesus has faced it all, and he's overcome it all. You see, when Jesus is your king, he's able to bring peace into every situation of your life. Many years ago, there was a very famous pastor a great, great preacher, one of those old-school master preachers. His name was S.M. Lockridge, and he pastored a great church in the San Diego area. 
passed away many years ago. He was famous for several of his sermons, but one of his sermons, he talked about my king. And he said, let me tell you about my king. Let me tell you what my king is like. Let me tell you what he can do. Let me tell you who he is and what he is. And this man would spend an hour talking about the king who had become king of his life. The babe born in the manger who had finished his work here and ascended back to the father. He would spend an hour telling you all about his king. When he got finished telling you how great he was, he would make this statement. This king, you cannot impeach him and he's not going to resign. He's always going to be there in your life. You can trust him. What was God thinking? What? When he did that, what was he thinking? Well, maybe, just perhaps, God was thinking, I'll step into the emptiness. I'll step into the confusion. I'll step into all the impossibilities. I'll step into the most painful parts of their world. And I'll bring them some help. I'm going to send them a king who will shepherd their lives. It's interesting when you know God and you walk with God, you learn so much about him. You can pray a prayer and say, oh, I want Jesus to be my savior and take away my sins. That's a wonderful feeling. But there's nothing like walking through life with the shepherd, letting him be there for every situation you face. There's nothing like letting Jesus become the Lord of your life. The psalmist, even in the Old Testament, understood this. Everybody knows a little bit about the, about the 23rd Psalm. You may be able to quote all of it from heart. But I'm going to tell you what the psalmist knew about this king even before he came into this world. I'm going to put it in my own words. Please don't think I'm being dishonest with God's word or sacrilegious. But I'm going to tell you what the psalmist said about our shepherd king. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, so I'm never going to lack. He'll always provide. He will lead me to good and restful places. He will continually refresh me and encourage me. And when I am threatened, I don't have to be afraid because my shepherd will protect me. Even when I'm surrounded by my enemies who want to destroy me, he's going to show up and he'll provide for me so they all can see his hand at work in my life. Oh, and his goodness, his mercy, is going to follow me all the days of my life. So I'm going to stay close to him. Last question. I've asked a couple of questions about the king, what a king does, how he does it. I've talked to you about our King Jesus. Last question. What do sheep do? Sheep stay close to the shepherd so they can hear his voice and he can hear their voices. Many years ago, I had an older pastor friend who's gone to be with the Lord told me about a, taking a trip to the Holy Land. 
And he had one free day and the guide said, I want to take you and show you something. I want you to see something that every pastor should see. So he went away from the crowd with this guide and they they went out to a hillside and they went up and sat on the top of this hill overlooking this small lake. And he said, as the day got warm, the guide turned and said, now watch what happens. From the other side of the hill came a shepherd with his sheep. And the shepherd sat up on the side of the hill and his sheep went down to the water. And then another shepherd came with his sheep and another shepherd with his sheep and so on and so forth until several shepherds had gathered and all the sheep were mixed together drinking water and grazing down by the lake. The pastor, this friend of mine, looked at the guide and said, what a mess. All those sheep are together. They're going to be confused. How will they know when the shepherd leaves? How will the shepherd know the sheep are there? And he said, watch, and you'll see. A few minutes later, one of the shepherds got up and walked away and began to go back over the hill, but he reached in his pocket and pulled out a a little recorder, a flute, if you will. He began to play on that flute. And as he played, one by one, his sheep got up and followed him and then the next shepherd did the same and every flute every reed that's been carved into a recorder or a flute has its own unique sound and as the next shepherd would walk away his sheep would follow him then the next then the next until all the shepherds were gone and all the sheep were gone following the correct shepherd the pastor friend realized that jesus said my sheep know my voice they won't follow anybody else let me ask you today when you know the greatness of our savior king our shepherd why would you want to listen to any other voice what do sheep do they follow the shepherd i want to close in prayer today and as i pray maybe Maybe you've never come into relationship with God. Maybe you've never put your faith in him, but today you realize, I need need a shepherd in my life. I need a king who will help me in all those places of life that I can't fix for myself. I need God's help. Maybe today you realize I need a savior. I need to come into relationship with God. I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna ask you to wrap your heart, your faith around this prayer. Maybe you're here today and you know the shepherd king, but maybe you're dealing with some challenges in your life today and you need special help. You want to reach out to him. He knows your voice. You know his voice. I want to pray. Bow your heads if you would. Wrap your hearts and your faith around this prayer. Father, I come to you today and declare that I need you. I need you in my life. I need a savior. I realize I'm lost in my own sin and I'm struggling to find my way. But I need Jesus to take my sin away. So I ask you to forgive me today and bring me into your family. I want to come into relationship with God and I want to know him as my father. I want to be his child. I also ask that Jesus could become the Lord of my life, my king, my shepherd. And fill up all of those empty places in my life and in my world. So I come to you now. I lay everything at your feet. I ask you to fill my life with your presence. 
From this day forward, I'll be your child and you'll be my father. And then, Father, I pray for every person in this room, for those who are dealing with challenges. Pray for those who are hurting today, whose hearts are broken, that you would bring healing. I pray for those who need provision, whether it's physical provision for their life or if it's healing for their body, I pray that you would step in and do something miraculous, wonderful in these lives. I pray for those who've got major decisions to make. I ask you to step in and be a counselor. Give us wise direction and lead us in a right path. Father, I pray for those who are battling fear that you would step in and blow fear out of their lives. Break that spirit of fear and speak peace to everything that they're facing today. God, we trust you with our lives. We thank you for your presence. You are our shepherd and we will follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, before we close today, a couple of things. If you prayed the first part of that prayer, maybe you've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe you've never made him your Lord. But maybe you're starting that journey now. It's just the beginning of the journey. You want to learn to know him as Lord. We want to help you on that journey. We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading for the next week. Just a little bit for each day to get you started in this relationship with God. We want to give it to you. When service is over, there are two ways you can get it. One of two ways. Number one, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're just everyday people like you and me. If you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you've got questions, they can help you. If you want prayer for something in your life, they can help you. If you're here today and you've got any kind of need, these people will gladly pray with you today. But if you're in a big rush and you want to get that booklet out in the lobby, right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit, there's a counter set up there with a screen says the next seven days if you just stop by that counter and say can i get the booklet they'll give it to you there no strings attached we simply want to help you get started in your journey of faith with god and i want to welcome you to god's family today can we put our hands and welcome new believers god bless you the last thing i just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving each week we talk about our giving because it's a part of our worship but i want to say thank you there are a number of different ways you can give just give as it's convenient to you we don't put pressure on any visitor but those who are part of the bridge church this is a part of our worship to god thank you your giving is making a difference around the world if you happen to want to give a gift in person today there are envelopes in the back of the chairs you can put your gift in an envelope there are offering containers on each side as you exit the auditorium can drop it in one of those containers there's also a giving station over in the the children's check-in area let's worship god with our giving and watch and see how big god will be in our lives god bless you today next sunday's christmas eve four services let me encourage you pick one that fits your family best um there's one in the morning three in the afternoon going into the evening it's going to be a great day 11 o'clock one o'clock uh, four o'clock and six o'clock. It's going to be a great, exciting day. Bring your family at the service that fits you best, and it's going to be a great day of us just celebrating Christmas together. God bless you. I love you and appreciate you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.